Philippians 2 and verse number 5. Do you ever feel like someone has ever messed with your device behind your back? I feel like somebody's messed with my device. Somebody, I don't know, somebody. It's like it goes blank. Like, you know, it turns off like it, like it doesn't stay on. It kind of goes in like every, like after 10 seconds, it just kind of, it was an up, man, I'll tell you what. See, somebody did mess with my device. It was the manufacturer. They, they say, you know, that you are uh, of the mm, older generation. And not like a new, young, hipster person, the new generation. See, I don't even know what the right term is. That's, I'm obviously one of the older. If you really like the updates, you're a young person. If you hate the updates because you have to learn the system new, you're an old. I'm, I hate updates. I hate them. It makes me so upset. Especially when you get the little thing where it's like, you don't have enough memory for the update. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. See? See? Look what they've done. They've, it's turned off again. Got to pray for me. We're going to get serious. Philippians 2, and look at verse number 5. It says, says this, Let your mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to study the topic today of godliness. Godliness. How is your heart for God? Godliness. We're going to look at the contrast between Jesus and Satan. And we're going to look at What does it mean to be a godly person? That's what we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity to worship you. Thank you, God, for a church where we can laugh a little bit, enjoy each other's company, enjoy you. Father, I believe everyone here would say with the best of their ability, as human beings, we would rather have you. We would rather have Jesus than anything. And Lord, I pray that you would show up today in this service in a very special way. Speak to our hearts through your word. Help us to see that godliness is for you. It's to be preferred. It's something we need to add to our faith. Help me as I preach. Help me to say things that would only please you and that would encourage your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're continuing the list that we have from our verse in 2 Peter 3.18, which is the topic, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And I want us to look at this list, which is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you would turn with me there, 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll look at verse number 5. So we're focusing on just one of these at a time. I was going to try to rush through them a little bit. And the Lord said, no, you need to slow down, right? And we need to go over these one by one. Second Peter 1, and look at verse number 5. It says, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now remember, when we're talking about salvation, becoming a Christian, it's salvation by grace through faith. That so we've trusted Christ as our Savior. Our journey as a Christian begins with faith. It doesn't begin with our first birth. Oh, brother, I was born into a Christian family. That's fantastic. But we still need to trust Christ as our Savior. That's an individual decision. As Baptists, we believe in individual soul liberty. We have the opportunity, but we also have the responsibility to get saved, to trust Christ as our Savior, right? So this list is talking about adding to your faith, adding to your salvation, or once you are saved, this is the list that composes what it means to be a Christian. These are the virtues that we should be seeking after. We should be trying to add these. And again, not one by one, not just, okay, add to your faith. The very first one, add to your faith, virtue. Virtue is like courage. It's like, I'm going to do it, right? Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the faith without works is dead. So I'm going to act and I'm going to do. That's so important in the Christian life. Very simple illustration, prayer, right? Um, in order for prayer to work, we have to pray. We have to do it. So add to your faith the virtue or the doing of different Christian responsibilities, okay? So it's not, okay, now once I finally figure out how to do everything, then I'll add to the next one, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge. No, it's, we're going to add all of these together, right? They, all of these ingredients go in. It's like uh, making a cake, not that I've ever made a cake. But you put all the ingredients in, you mix it up, and then you, then, then you bake it, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to take the eggs and cook the eggs. And then I'm going to take the salt and I'm going to cook the salt. And then I'm going to take the flour, oil, right? It, no, see, see, you guys know. We, we, you don't cook them all individually. You mix them all. And that's the way this list is, right? This list is, we're, by God's grace, him working in our lives, in each situation we find ourselves in, he's saying, okay, in this situation, you need to be virtuous. You need to pursue knowledge about this. You need to, we talked about um, temperance, self-control, right? And then last week we talked about patience, uh, and then this week we're going to talk about godliness. So this list is found in Second Peter 1 and verse numbers uh, 5, 6, and 7. So we're focusing on the topic of godliness. Now, what is, what is godliness? If we're just going to look at the basic definition of godliness, it means reverence or respect. So add to your faith the reverence or respect to God. Now, again, we'll dig into this just a little bit more. It means piety towards God. We hear this word about pious. Okay, that's not a bad word. <laughs> oh, you're so pious. Well, some people try to hurl it at each other like an insult. 
but it's supposed to be reverence or respect for God. And we're going to dig into this. God is telling us, add to your faith godliness. What does it mean to be a godly person? How do I add godliness to my life? What does it mean to be a godly person? There really is no better question than what is true godliness. It's the question we as human beings have been asking for generations. It is the question everyone is asking now. Because in answering the question, what is godliness? You're, you're trying to answer the question, how do I know that I'm a good person? You're trying to answer the question, what is true religion? What is true piety? What should I reverence or hold in the highest respect? What should my worship look like? Should I worship at all? And what should that worship look like? What should I get upset about? What should bother me? I read a story uh, this week about a pastor who was counseling two ladies. And these ladies had husbands who were not believers. And the husbands had done some things to really create a lot of bitterness and resentment in the lives of these ladies. And both of these ladies had children. And at different times, but about the same week, they came to the pastor seeking counsel. And he instructed them. He said, you need to forgive your husband. You need to release that resentment and bitterness. And he said the one lady who seemed to be the less religious of the one, uh, between the two ladies, did this. And she began to grow in her Christian life. The second one, as the pastor observed, this lady's life, he, she, he could just tell on her face and in speaking to her. But he was so confused why the second one was struggling so much. And it was, it was, it was obvious she hadn't followed this biblical truth of in order to grow, in order to get past, you have to forgive. And finally, he approached the lady and was talking to her and she blurted out in a moment of complete honesty, if I forgive him, he'll get away with everything And what about my son's happiness? Because unknowingly, this Christian lady, good Christian lady, had made her child's happiness the supreme thing in her life. And in her mind, if she was going to forgive her husband, then that would be some kind of a, it would make her son very vulnerable. It would somehow make her son very um, open Maybe she thought that by not forgiving him, the son wouldn't be as safe. Godliness. Godliness begins with what we think about God. Godliness begins by what we think about God. If you look at the uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says that godliness is belief in God and reverence for his character and laws. It means a religious life a careful observance 
of the laws of God. Now, we're going to see here as we continue on with this study um, that when we're looking at, we've read the verses of Philippians 2. Let's look there once again. We're going to see that godliness is for God. When we think about piety or being religious, that's kind of not really a term we as Baptists generally ascribe to. We're not trying to be a religious person. Outside observers may look at us that way, but really we're trying to pursue a relationship with God. We're not trying to put on the robes of religion or try to find out what the rules of religion are. And so when we're talking about godliness, we're talking about the very heart of Christianity. We're talking about having respect for God. Religion is something that you kind of put on and you can kind of put away when no one's looking. Reverence for God means he's everywhere. He sees all things. And I am always from my heart trying to honor him with my life. And we're going to look at two examples here. The first one is obviously the Lord Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter number two. Let's look here briefly in verse number five. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So It's going to use Jesus as an example, which is uh, completely appropriate. I mean, he is our Lord. He is our Savior. And we should definitely be looking to him constantly as our example. Let me read, before I read the description, let me just insert a verse here briefly. Hebrews 12 and verse number 3, 2 and 3 say, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." Many times when it comes to the Christian life, when we begin to kind of faint in our godliness, our faint in our faith, it's not that we've lost our salvation. The Bible does not teach we can lose our salvation, but it seems as if maybe we're kind of sliding back into the way we used to live before we were saved. I feel like this is a tiny bit loud. The Bible says, ooh, now it's not even on at all. Probably got an update. That's what it was. Somebody updated this thing too. The Bible says, consider him, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. We need to constantly be looking to Christ for strength and for the example. So we're going to look at, in Philippians 2, the example of Christ and his godliness. You think, well, that seems kind of a weird thing to think about. Did Jesus have reverence for the Father? Did he have respect for the Father? Oh, absolutely. That's really what we're examining here in Philippians 2. And it says, let this mind be in you. And we could take the time and dissect this and it could be really long, but we're just gonna kind of point out just a couple of few things here in these verses. So verse number six has, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, meaning Jesus Christ is 100% human being, born of a virgin, but also 100% God. He is deity. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good example. He's not just a nice guy. He's not just an example of someone who suffered for social causes. No, all of those things are true, but he is also 
the Son of God. He is God in the flesh who died for our sins, 100% perfect. And that's what it's saying in verse number six. Now, you and I, that's not us, right? We are not 100% uh, God in the flesh and also human being. We're not deity, right? So verse number six is a description, but it's not saying uh, you're the same as that. It's not saying that at all. It's describing Jesus. Verse number seven, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. Look at this next phrase. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If we are going to add godliness to our faith, reverence for the father, and we're going to say, what is it that you want me to do? We are going to have to have the same mind as Jesus had, which is we are going to, in whatever station we find ourselves, I find that fascinating the way it's worded. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Many times we, we don't add godliness and reverence to God because we don't want to be who we are. We can envy other people in their, in their station in life. We can envy what they have. We can envy maybe who they're with. We can maybe envy their life. There's so much. And yet very basically, when it says that Jesus, the example that's given to us is that how he found himself in the fact that he's a human being, which he accepted that and he did that, but also the human side, by the way, nobody is ever able to fully explain this. This is the mystery of godliness, which we'll look at in just a moment. But as he came to the awareness in growing up that he was the very son of God, he realized who he was and he didn't fight it. We oftentimes do not reverence God the way that we should because we are angry with him with where we find ourselves in life. A godly person accepts, this is who I am. This is who God made me to be. I accept that. And as we find ourselves this in, in this way, we are going to, what is our response? Now we're going to see the contrast here in just a moment. We're going to study Satan just for a little bit. We're going to turn to Isaiah and look at him. But the example of Christ, the mind of Christ, of reverencing God, of being godly, is that he found himself as a man and he humbled himself. He didn't rise up in pride against God and say, why have you made me this way? No, no, no. He chose this for himself. And when we look at our own lives, we need to understand the choices we've made or the choices that God has made for us. We're going to humble ourselves and say, I accept this. I'm not going to be, I am not going to have the mindset in life that because I find myself here or find myself this way or find myself that way, that I am going to say, you're wrong. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not going to honor and reverence you. Powerful. He humbled himself and became obedient. We cannot be obedient if we are not humble. Prideful people, which we are all prideful people. <laughs> we strive for humility, but pride is, it's a part of us. It is a part of our sin nature. 
And when we make the choice to rise up in pride, and we'll see the example in just a moment, we're seeing the contrast. He found himself, he humbled himself, and what does humility do? It obeys. When we are adding to our faith godliness, we are adding to our faith. We can kind of see where, again, we've talked about this before. These virtues, that list of virtues, they very quickly become interwoven. How can you really be virtuous if you're not godly? (laughs) And how can you be godly if you don't add knowledge? And how can you really have knowledge if you're not going to be patient? And how can you really be patient if you don't have temperance? So as we add and as we think and as we study, they really become to not just be individual strands, but they really quickly become interwoven into one another. But we see here the example of Christ is that he humbled himself and became obedient. If we're not obedient, we are not being godly. A godly Christian is an obedient Christian. A godly Christian accepts where they find themselves in life. Not sinful things, not sinful choices, but just those things that we don't choose for ourselves. We're just there. This is where we are. This is where we are in life. This is what we're doing. Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's, a, here's the amazing thing about Christ. There, there was no limit to his humility and obedience. Do you have a limit? Do you have a limit with what you're willing to put up with in following the Lord? I'm willing to reverence you up until this. Oh, that's convicting. (laughs) Because we all do. But if we're going to add godliness and we're going to grow in godliness and reverence for the Lord... We're going to, by the grace of God, when we see that we have given God a limit to what we're willing to do, a limit to how far we're willing to honor him, we take out the eraser and we erase it. And it's amazing being a teacher in college, college professor, how many students still use pencils. Good on them. They're trying to make it right. And I think when it comes to growing as a Christian and what we perceive as Christianity and what we understand about it, we need to so-called write with a pencil. Because we think, I understand reverencing God is up to this point. This is how I perceive it right now in my life. In honoring the Lord, this is how I see it right now. But here's the thing about life. We grow older. We, we go through life, we have new challenges, financial challenges, and education challenges, relationship challenges. And if we always go back to last year and say, no, 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 I, by God's grace, I had the victory over this last year, and I reverenced God and honored him up to this point, and that's as far as I'm going. No, 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 you need to erase that line and say, I'm willing to humble myself and be obedient unto death. Unto death. Do you have an expiration date for the Lord? I will honor you and I will follow you up to this point and then no more. Some people do that because they're not getting, they're hoping to get something from the Lord. I hope God will fix this in my life. I hope he'll answer this prayer. 
I hope he'll give me a spouse. I hope he'll make me successful. I hope he'll give me one, this particular piece. I hope, I, I hope he'll do this or do that. And we've, we, we've got these secret hopes and desires in our heart. And we're honoring the Lord, but really we've kind of got an expiration date on there. And the day will come when we're thinking, you know what? I'm just not seeing this is, this is going to work out. It's not going to work. And then all of a sudden that person evaporates. It doesn't, once again, it doesn't mean that they're not saved if they leave or if they stop. It means they've stopped growing. If people don't come to church, does it mean they're not saved? No, it means they've stopped growing. It means they've stopped growing. Do we have an expiration date? Let's look at the contrast here in Isaiah 14. And this is why this question was chosen for the slide. Godliness, how is your heart for God? Now, what is the photograph of? Does anybody know what that is? A car, what? Engine. Now, there are known to be car guys, and I'm sure car girls too, but car guy is kind of a term. I'm a car guy, right? Now, most of us, when we look at a vehicle, we look at the outside of it. Oh, man, that looks cool. There's a Corvette or there's a whatever. Man, that looks cool. But real car people, they could probably tell you exactly what that is. I have no idea. Because to them, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. It's about the engine. They would take a rusted, dented, messed up exterior with a powerful and tuned engine over a vehicle that on the outside looked amazing, but the engine either wasn't working properly or just wasn't as powerful. Because real car people, those car guys, right? The car girls that have all the, all the oil stains on their fingers. Man, that's cool. Let's, let's, let's see it. Can I see it? When they, when they say that, what do they mean? They want you to lift up the hood and check out the engine. And start it so you can hear the rumble. Now I can speak the talk. I took a couple of classes so I could, you know, say the, <laughs> say the right terminology. But you understand what I'm saying. If the heart of the vehicle is really the engine. Let me tell you that when it comes to Christianity, true godliness is not about what's on the outside. It's not about what's on the outside. What's on the outside is reflection of the inside. And Everything about Christianity is about God building a heart that is dedicated to him. And I'm saying that on purpose because we, as we look at the complete opposite example of Christ, we're going to see that it began in the heart. 
Isaiah 14. Verse 11, thy pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee and the worms cover thee. Verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven? Oh, what's the word? Lucifer. Lucifer. We're talking about Satan here. This is the story of him falling from heaven. Description, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Oh, verse 13, guys, this is it. This is what Satan wants. This is what Satan wants for you. God wants godliness. True reverence from the heart. That's what his desire is for you in your life. But when Satan tempts us, He's trying to get us to do exactly what he did. Jesus is working in our lives to get us to follow in his footsteps. Satan is working in our lives through temptation and tempting our flesh to get us to follow in his footsteps. How did you fall, Lucifer, son of the morning? Verse 13, for thou has said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Let me show you something. Genesis 3 is the record of the fall of the human race. Let's look at it. Genesis 3. Verse one, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, what a liar, man, what a liar. You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as, what does it say? Aww. You see the temptation? You shall be as gods knowing good and evil. What was really his temptation to Adam and Eve? To get them to follow in the same footsteps that he just took. I will be like the most high. I will ascend. I will be above the throne. Hey, if you disobey God, you'll be, you will have the freedom of living your own life and making your own choices. You will be as gods, man. It sounds like a commercial you would see on TV, right? 
And that's the difference between someone who's pursuing godliness and the Christian who is not. It's not about what necessarily what you're wearing because that's just a manifestation. You're just telling people what's in your heart. It's not about your schedule. It's not about the visibles. Godliness comes down to the heart. We are never going to grow in our faith if we do not grow in our honoring the Lord in our heart. Satan says, you can have all of the religion, all the rules, as long as you just keep control of your own heart. And Jesus says, if I don't have your heart, I don't have any of you. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. All thy heart. Lucifer got thrown out of heaven and became the devil because of something that he said in his heart. And if we're not careful... We will learn some of the things of Christianity and tell ourselves we're good people and we're doing just fine. But really, our life is determined by whether or not we have the heart that God wants us to have. See the difference between Satan and Jesus here? By the way, don't believe any of this garbage going out that says Jesus and Satan are brothers. No, Mormons got that one wrong among other things. Satan said in his heart, I will ascend, I'll be like Messiah. I'm going to control, I will be above God, I'm going to make the decisions. God's going to work for me. Christianity is not showing up to church so that God works for you. Christianity is not pursuing spiritual truth on the internet and listening to videos, trying to find out techniques of how God can get accomplished in your life what you want. Christianity is you humbling yourself and saying, God, I'm finding myself in this situation, in this family problem, in this work situation, in this relationship problem, in this financial uh, decision, and maybe I can move here, and maybe I could do that, or maybe I could choose that person, or maybe I could do this in my secret time, or maybe I could do this in my bedroom, or maybe I could do this on my phone. And the choice is either I'm going to do what God wants me to do because he has my heart. And I'm reverencing him. And I'm following him if nobody ever sees. One day when we fall before the Lord and we're rewarded, it will be for what he sees of our heart. Not what other people saw on social Here's, here's the exact opposite of real Christianity in modern day culture, which I post on social, at least before I got hacked. It's just the truth. I'm not against it. But here's, here's, here's the opposite, right? We tell each other, if the, you know, if you don't post, it didn't happen. If you don't have a picture or video, you can say, you can, you can say you met that famous person, but no pick, it didn't happen. Right? I mean, that's what we say. Here's what God says. 
If it's not in your heart, it's not real. It didn't happen. If you're not truly honoring and reverencing me, then it's not, it's, it's, it's just an external thing. God is not interested in us and us putting things on in order to show others. Because here's the thing with externals of religion is for other people to see and agree. Mom, finally, she finally is leaving me alone because I finally, I finally went to church and she saw me sitting there. So that kind of an attitude versus nobody really knows I'm here. Nobody really knows me. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm getting up and reading my Bible because God sees it. That's Christianity. When somebody says something nasty to me, I'm not going to nasty them back. Why? Because God sees it. I'm not going to go through and read all the comment section. Because all that nastiness affects my heart. And my heart doesn't belong to me. That's the same heart I'm supposed to reverence the Lord with. And honor him with. And, I, and if I fill it through a... Through, fill it... Ugh, here we go. Fill it with filth and bitterness and anger and profanity. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And if we sit there and we fill our heart up with comment section, nastiness, you know what's going to come out of your mouth? Nastiness. Or should I put it this way? You know what's going to come out of your thumbs? Whatever you put in your heart. Add to your faith. Godliness. What's godliness? Godliness is for God. It's my heart for him. If my wife never sees it, listen, and let me just close on this. Here's the problem. And this is where people struggle in Christianity. And we all struggle with this in different areas. But this is the struggle. We like <laughs> approval, praise, status, good jobs, thumbs up, likes, hearts. Right? It makes us feel good. Of course it does. Listen, the thing is, that stuff cannot come at the expense of pleasing the Lord. If there is a choice to be made between someone else approving or God approving, a godly person, a godly person will go with God. Let me, t let me show you the effect of this. Let me read you a verse. What will happen to me if I choose godliness? Second Timothy 3.12. Yay. Second Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all that will live godly 
Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do we see that? It's a short verse. Of course, back in this time, persecution meant like painful, painful, painful death. Literally. A spectacle unto men and unto angels is what Paul said. Dragging Christians into a, an arena. An arena. I mean, imagine, imagine the entertainment of the day showing, showing up to the Rogers arena, the Rogers Center, and watching Christians being killed by wild animals as entertainment. That was the entertainment. Hey, you got tickets? Are you going today? Heard they got a fresh batch. Living godly in Christ Jesus back then, man, it cost you your life. I saw on the news uh, just last night, I think, they found this new underground catacombs, this underground uh, chambers and caves and like uh, in Turkey where Christians lived. Just found them. Secret tunnels and secret caves and secret places all throughout Europe were Christians during this time period lived. They couldn't sing loudly. You imagine just the incredible you've just been martyred, you've just been killed for your faith. And you're now in heaven. And for the first time since you've been a Christian, you can sing with all your heart out loud. Because if you would have done that before, they would have found you and you would have been killed. And yet, guys, come on. Nowadays, we're not willing to be just a little bit different because somebody might say something. We have an incredible opportunity to honor the Lord in a culture that desperately needs to see genuine Christianity. The very grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ is the salt and light that this world desperately needs. And it comes when a Christian says, I hear what you're saying. I'm not trying to be unkind. But that's my God. I'm finding myself in this place, in this time. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to be obedient. And by God's grace alone, with every new challenge, there's not going to be an expiration date on it. And yeah, you're going to get negative comments. And yeah, people are going to mock And yeah, they're going to make fun. But honestly, if you dig into scripture, that's one of the biggest badges of honor that a Christian can ever carry. It means you're doing something right. You're not being obnoxious. But it means that it's visible 
that I'm honoring the Lord. No, I'm not going to watch that. No, I'm not going to listen to that. No, actually on Sunday, I'm not available. Just not available. And I never will be. Hey, bro, you're going to come? Hey, man, you're going to do that thing? Hey, man, you're going to come? You're going to, hey, we're all going out. We're going to dream. We're going to, no, I don't do any of that stuff. People trying to share things they just bought. Hey, man, I've got some new stuff. I've got some new things. You're going to come over. We're going to, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, it's going to be, well, if I, yeah, maybe I can just go and maybe I can just go and maybe I can just kind of hide and if they find out, <laughs> what about God? What about God? A godly Christian is willing to accept negativity for honoring the Lord. And if we're not willing to do that, we're really choosing not to add godliness to our faith. Is that you? Maybe it's one little tiny little area. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.